if you can, please remain standing for the reading of the word, which is done by Cindy Wright today. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. The word of the Lord says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord of God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what name he would give them. And whatever the man called these living creatures, that was his name. So the man gave names to the, all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up, placed with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called a woman, for she was taken out of man. That is, the, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Who's, uh, who's excited about those Sacramento Kings? Yeah, there's a game happening at 1230 today, so I know you're all like, let's go. Come on. No, I've been, I've been watching it. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but it's been fun to watch. I find enjoyment from the fans and from you guys watching your passion. It's enjoyable to me. So I will be watching that this afternoon. If this is your first week joining us, we are going through a series titled Real Relationships. We all need real relationships in our lives. We need authentic, God-honoring relationships in order to thrive. And we're going through this series. And, and, and last week, Ryan spoke on the Imago Day. What that means is an image bearer, being made in the image of God. And he summed it up with the golden rule. Do unto others what you would want them to do to you. Love others how you would want them to love you. That was his message last week. If you have seen God's love in your life, raise your hand. Yeah, I would say most, if not all of us, have seen God's love in our lives. We are continuing the series by talking about God's intent for men and women. How do we relate to one another? When you look at the world around you today, how do you feel like it's going with how men and women treat each other? I got to be careful with what I say in this sermon because I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> but what we are seeing is in the culture is a polar opposite of God's intent. We're seeing more and more abusive male dominance and also a militant feminism on the rise. We're seeing more and more both sides clashing heads. There is a, there's many men who want to dominate over the women in their life. Men that degrade uh, women, uh, men that view them simply as sexual objects or an inferior gender. There was a study done that says 81% of women 
will experience verbal or physical sexual harassment at one point in their life. 81%. See, on the flip side, we are also seeing a movement of women who are trying to dominate over the man by pushing the father out of the household, by pushing the man out of the workplace, and they've been given over to a self-righteous independence. There's a famous pop star singer. Her name is Miley Cyrus. Maybe you've heard of her. And she just released a song called Flowers. And it's in response to her ex-husband. And this is what it says. I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing and I can hold my own hand. Yeah, I can love me better than you can. Okay, first of all, the second to last verse there is kind of strange. I can hold my own hand. Like, think about that for a second. Imagine you're alone and you go out with some friends and they're with their, uh, their spouses and, and they're all holding hands and all of a sudden you're just like, <laughs> I can hold my own hand. No, that's strange. That's really strange. But it's the, it's the last verse that really sticks out, sticks out to me. I can love me better than you can. That's the world that we are living in today. People trying to be lovers of themselves. People going on this desperate attempt to figure out who they are as a person. And it's a wild goose chase because they will never get to the end of that. They will never fully know what it means to love themselves because they haven't experienced and tasted the goodness of God. That's the world that we are living in. And if we're not careful, a lot of these cultural issues can start to bleed into our churches. We as the church should always influence the world. We should never be influenced by it. We are called to influence others that don't know Christ. We are not called to be influenced by them and do what they do. I'm not saying shun them or push them away. No, we are called to actually quite, quite literally invite them in. But we as the church can't afford to look like the world. So because of the Imago Dei being made in the image of God, men must view women in a biblical way and as daughters of the Most High and push against the stereotype that women are simply sexual objects or servants put here for our pleasure and comfort. And because of the Imago Dei, women are to push against the stereotype that all men are brainless narcissists who don't know what they're talking about. And instead, must think biblically about men as sons of the Most High. Now imagine, if you will, just for a second, Imagine a world filled with only men. Can you imagine it? I know it's not possible. You're like, it's not possible. Okay, entertain the thought with me. What would we see a lot of? First of all, there'd be a lot of passing gas. <laughs> not only that, there'd be competitions to see who can pass more gas. We would see pristine lawns. Come on. Our lawns would be perfect. Uh, there would be a lot of unfinished house projects. <laughs> Women, you know what I'm talking about? 
endless sports. We would have meat for dinner every single night and there'd be some peace and quiet. Just kidding, don't cancel me. No, it's the next one that I can get canceled for. Now imagine a world filled with only women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, what, would it, what would it look like? There would be cleaner houses, charcuterie boards at every party, bath and body stores on every corner, pristine gardens, chocolate, and a whole lot of broken down cars. These are obviously stereotypes. But all jokes aside, it was God's design to create both men and women. You wanna know why? Because we need each other. And not only do we need each other, we need to start championing each other's differences. We need to champion each other's differences. Men and women need mutual respect to have real relationships. Say that with me. Men and women need mutual respect to have real relationships. And that's done by going back to the beginning. Look at Genesis 2, starting at verse 18. The Lord God said, it, was, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Skip down to verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So the first thing that we need to notice, if you have not read Genesis 1 and 2, go home and read the creation story. Because if you notice in the creation story, everything that God creates, he considers it good or very good. This is the first time we see in scripture where God quite literally says, it's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. See, the, the skies had its birds. The seas had its fish. The land had its animals. But the man was missing his equal. The man was alone and it was not good. It wasn't until God placed woman in the world that he said it's very good. Want to know why Adam called her woman? because he saw her for the first time and said, whoa, man. Whoa, man. They were both naked and they had no shame. There was no room for disrespect. They didn't critique the way each other looked. They didn't critique the way each other smelt. They definitely didn't fight about who was on laundry duty they were naked. They didn't, they, didn't argue, they didn't compare about who spent more time praying. They simply respected each other and each other's differences because that's how it was in the beginning. Perfect unity with God and each other. So what happened? That's the big question. 
Where did we go wrong? The moment sin entered in, there was this great divide. If you notice in Genesis 3, 9 through 12, it's not on a slide. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to that. Genesis 3, 9 through 12 says this. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. If you notice, he now realizes that he's naked. Before he didn't. He notices his shame now. And so what does he do? He hides. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And if you continue in the lo- along in the story, Eve eventually gets a point to blame the serpent. Well, you put the serpent here. They were playing the blame game. Sin entered in. They lost a mutual respect for one another. And now they just started to tear each other down. They lost the Imago Dei. And look where that has led us in today's world. We see men and women becoming more and more divided and losing respect for one another and each other's differences. We see many women not even giving man a voice anymore. There's this word, maybe you've heard of it, it's called mansplaining. None of you? It's called, it's called mansplaining. It's this idea that when a man tries to explain himself, it comes across as entitled or condescending. Maybe you're like, Blake, you're mansplaining right now. Or women trying to explain their side of things and, and uh, the, the man receives it as nose, uh, naggy or bossy. That's what's happening in our, our world today. My wife has been constantly reminding me to call our tax guy. She keeps nagging at me. I still need to do it though, I'm not gonna lie. Or we see both sides, both men and women, constantly arguing about gender equality roles. The different roles. I'm not even going down that route because that's a whole sermon series in itself. You can email Dustin or Ryan. And <laughs> There's been a great divide between men and women, but that can't be the case for the church. We, as the body of Christ, you're identified. If you are in Jesus, you are identified as a brother and a sister in Christ. That is who we are. And we have to rise above the status quo that the culture lives into. So if we're gonna have real relationships, we need to first go back to the beginning and see God's heart for men and women. We need to apply the golden rule to our own lives and how we treat the opposite gender. Listen, Jesus desires for us to have mutual respect for one another. And what great, greater example than Christ himself? Jesus modeled respect. And he did it perfectly. There's a story in John chapter 
4, where he meets a Samaritan woman. He's going through Samaria, and he stops to have one of the most pivotal conversations that we see in the New Testament, him meeting this woman who, was, uh, who had so much baggage from her past. She was hated by her own people and the Jews. Imagine being in that situation. No one loved her because of the type of woman that she was. But Jesus, being who Jesus is, meets her in her baggage and defines her and gives her life and shows her her intrinsic value. And he starts to have this conversation with her and he say, hey, the water that you're currently filling your bucket up with, that water will run out. But the water that I give you, it will never run dry. And what she was missing is this spiritual water that Jesus was offering. She didn't know it. She thought it was another type of physical water that Jesus had. And, and, if, and if he gave it to her, she, she would be good. No, he was saying, hey, your soul is in desperate need of, of water. It's in desperate need. And I'm the only one who can give you that true water. And so, of course, she wants it. And at that point, in that moment, the greatest thing happened in her life because she was transformed and made new. She gets to experience eternity with Christ forever because of that moment. And that's incredible news for us as well. But this is what Jesus says in response to her. Go, call your husband and come back. We're at... There, it's up there. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. She was trying to avoid her past hurts. You can't blame her. We've all been in that situation before. But she wasn't really, she didn't know who she was talking to at the same time. And Instead of Jesus holding this over her head like everyone else was doing, like her own people or the Jews, holding this over her head, he doesn't, he's a, he doesn't condemn her. He commends her for telling the truth. He comes alongside her and says, hey, you're actually right. You don't have a husband. You're true in that. He didn't reject her because of her sin. He allowed her to belong while she figured out what it meant to believe and Jesus wasn't caught up on her behavior. And that's fantastic news for us. That is good news for us, but so often in our walk with Christ, we tend to have a similar attitude as the disciples do in this moment. Instead of the disciples celebrating the fact that they now have a new sister in Christ, they still can't get over the fact of her past and they can't get over her behavior. If you notice in verse 27, it says that they were surprised to see Jesus talking with such a woman. They didn't ask him why, but they were surprised. How often do we do that in our relationships around us? We get uh, we get so caught up in someone else's uh, behavior in their lifestyle and we, we uh, instantly go, they are not worthy to be invited in. 
Friends, if God treated you and I that way, none of us would be here. But he invites us in with all of our baggage, with all of our sin. He meets us where we are at. And through the process of uh, uh, sanctification and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, our hearts start to mold and change and to become more like people who are fully sold out to Jesus. I remember when I was 21 years old, I gave my life to Christ. January of 2016. I became a follower of Jesus, but I was still involved in some worldly activities. I didn't know how to behave yet. And it wasn't until the Spirit started to convict my heart more and more, opening his word and going, okay, we, we should probably work on the behavior side of things. And it wasn't until I, I found myself uh, getting plugged into a small group, which you should do as well, to where I had a group of men quite literally place their hands on me because they knew I was new in the faith. And they prayed and interceded and fasted over me and met me where I was at. They did not hold my baggage over me. They did not condemn me. And it made me feel belonged. While I figured out how to behave. It's a good thing Jesus does that with us. He meets us in our mess, friends. And he is constantly modeling respect. Just read the word. You'll see how he respects people. He showed this woman her intrinsic value in a time to where women were just despised. They were, they were just, they didn't have a voice by any means. And Christ comes in and says, no, you do have a voice. You are equal. You are made in my image. And as you and I grow in our faith and our love for Jesus, we should be doing the same for each other. Looking at the intrinsic value that each of us has in Christ. We can't settle for less. And when we do that, we are living into the Imago Dei and we are living out our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ overpowers everything else. Galatians 3, 26 to 28 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? He's saying, as a child of God, we are unified under the Lordship of Jesus. What is he not saying? We got to get this. He is not saying gender does not matter. Okay? I don't want anyone to be confused and look at that and go, okay, it doesn't matter. It does matter. But what he is saying is that we are unified under him and his lordship and we are one in him. When I got married, there was a legal binding that took place. My wife and I, in God's eyes, we became one. And even in the government's eyes. In the same way, we as the church have oneness in Christ. We are one. And that oneness, get this, that oneness 
should change how you interact and, be, and, and do life with people outside of these walls. How do you treat your coworkers? How do you treat your friends? How do you treat non-believers of the opposite sex? You are called to respect them and to serve them to the best of your ability. What sort of boundaries do you put up in your life to protect your heart but also theirs? For me personally, I don't put myself in a situation where I'm with another female alone, outside of my wife, of course. As Christians, our behavior towards the opposite sex needs to look different than everyone else. So in our work life, in our friend groups, whatever situation you're in, it needs to look different. Where others take advantage, we respect. Where others manipulate, we speak truth. Where others lust, we love. Where others tarnish the Imago Dei, we hold it fast. And I'm thankful that we are a church that lives into the vision of Jesus. I'm thankful that we live this out in our walk. Let us continue to grow in maturity to become greater image bearers. If we're gonna have mutual respect, we need to remember who our identity is in. We are identified by Jesus. That mark is on you. And friends, this is all made possible because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's why we're here. This is the good news of the gospel. It doesn't matter. Easter just happened a few weeks ago. That message is the same every single weekend. The gospel is the good news and we need to hear it and people that don't know Christ need to hear it. And because of his great sacrifice, we get to come back into right relationship with the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we get to come back as the body and become one again and know what it means to live into the original design that God had intended as image bearers. Because of Jesus, it's always because of him. It always will be because of him. Because of him, we get to have a mutual respect for one another. And if you don't know Christ, I encourage you, open your word. Open this thing called the Bible. If you don't have one, come talk to me. I would love to give you one. This thing has changed my life and it's changed the lives of so many people in this room. If you see the life of Jesus, your heart and your life will be transformed. This world needs hope. And Jesus provides that hope. We, as men and women, need to come back in right relationship. So as followers of Jesus, we need to remember that we are made in his image. We need to treat each other with mutual respect in order to have real relationships. And it's done by going back to the beginning and seeing God's heart, seeing God's intent for men and women. It's done by looking at the life of Christ. And you won't know until you open this up. You can listen to us preach every Sunday. 
Like what I'm saying, what Ryan says, what Dustin says, what Dave says, whoever's preaching, it's great. But it, it's, it's pretty much meaningless if you're not in this. This is the truth. This is the word. We need to model the life of Jesus. And we need to cling to our identity in him, not forget that we are defined by him. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave up his life so that we can live, but also lived a perfect life and respected people perfectly. We thank you that you have met us in our own lives and that you don't condemn us, but God, that you have invited us into your family. Father, I pray for the hearts in this room that maybe might not know you or maybe they've walked away from you. I pray that they would taste and see that the water that you provide will never run dry. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for this church that we get to live into the vision of what you want us to do, Lord, and that is to be brothers and sisters in Christ, unified under the lordship of Jesus. So bless us today as we grow to be, uh, have a greater respect for both men and women. We ask in your name, amen.